Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. Why sales process and methodology are still needed. Written by Mike Kunkel, read by Felix Kruger. As in other studies we've done, this year's enablement study found that sales process and sales methodology adoption rates above 75% resulted in above average gains for revenue plan attainment, quota attainment, and win rates, with a big boost at adoption rates greater than 90%. This is a quote from the CSO Insights 2019 Sales Enablement Report on page 32 if you want to check it out. The report includes a chart that specifies the gains according to sales methodology adoption rates. From the lowest to highest adoption rates in the chart, the data represents a 15.3% increase in organizational revenue plan attainment, 31.8% increase in individual quota attainment, and a 30% increase in win rates for forecasted deals. So let me ask you this. What board member, private equity investor, CEO, or senior sales or revenue leader doesn't want to report increases like these? And what sales or revenue enablement leader doesn't want to help deliver this kind of business impact? This repeated finding by CSO Insights should have made a splash for the sales profession that was bigger than dropping a six-ton wrecking ball into a backyard swimming pool. Yet to continue with the metaphors, rather than a fierce roar of a mighty lion the collective impact of this reporting on the whole of the sales profession was more like a whimpered mule of a frightened kitty. But what's even worse? Recently, I've read an increasing number of articles and posts about how buying has become so convoluted and nonlinear that this current state of buying in a buyer's market renders sales process as irrelevant. To which I offer, if you can't describe what you're doing as a process, you don't know what you're doing. This is a quote by William Edward Deming, by the way. Now, by the way of full disclosure, I love this Deming quote, which I wholeheartedly believe remains true. But when applied to a modern sales process that is aligned to the modern buyer's journey, it doesn't mean that I completely follow Deming's original thinking about eliminating all variation and deviation. If I were doing process design internally, creating processes for something within my span of control at work, or running engineering or a manufacturing line, I would follow Deming's full advice to a T to reduce or eliminate variation and deviation as much as possible. This is how you reduce errors and produce repeatable, replicable, and scalable workflow to deliver predictable results. Total quality management or TQM, business process management or BPM, Six Sigma and Lead Sigma are powerful methods for this sort of work. It's also how I have applied systems thinking to the building blocks of sales enablement to deliver business impact. You see where I'm headed though, right? There are limits to how you can do this when you're working with external factors outside of your span of control. To the point of those who suggest that sales process is no longer linear, the root cause of that is the fact that the buyers are in control of their journey, the timing, budgets, when they respond to you or ghost you, and how they work together to make purchase decisions, or not. Some buying committees hum, others are more like a ragtag band of misfits. 
Sellers sometimes work with professional procurement leaders and company executives who work together frequently and have processes and policies to guide their purchase pursuits. Other times, sellers work with ad hoc buying committees who have never worked together to make a purchase decision and who are operating without an aligned process, policies, or even guidelines and guardrails. Worse, sometimes they are at odds with conflicting objectives, outcomes, risks, and political ramifications. Guess what? That in itself is not a change. Buyers may research and work more on their own or do more research digitally. But none of the above is new for the complex sale, other than the buying committees have increased in size, which does make it even more complex. So should sales process be adaptable, agile, fluid? Yes, absolutely, I agree. Yet it's still documentable, still a process. It has stages, objectives, and tasks per stage with exit criteria for each and possibly for each individual buyer per stage. And it should be aligned with the buying process that is in place, whatever it may be, however loose or disciplined it may be, or whatever mutual action plans you co-create with buyers to hammer out your own path. This makes sense, right? The process includes the stages, objectives, tasks, and exit criteria. The seller side can actually align to the larger customer lifecycle with the sales process, aka opportunity management, aligning with the buying process or purchase pursuit. Lead generation, by the way, doesn't align anywhere in particular, because when reps conduct outbound prospecting, they may not know where the customer is in a larger lifecycle yet. Yes, the process depicts a progression, but buyers and sellers might not always move through the process linearly. With this laid out now, and hopefully more clear, this is why I worry about those saying sales process is no longer valid. Or those who fully buy into that Gardner spaghetti map, more than Gardner attends even, as if it's indiscernible or unmanageable. On that I call BS. You just have to figure out how the buyer's journey you're navigating might be different, or whether different decision makers might be in different stages at the same time, based on how you have or haven't satisfied the exit criteria in your sales process efforts. Welcome to complex B2B sales. This is what I tell people these days. A picture of a river is not a river, or the map is not the territory. Your GPS doesn't show you potholes, hills, street grades, missing manhole covers, open car doors, bikes, crosswalks, children playing, or pedestrians. The map is a guide while driving requires attention, situational fluency, and skill. Sales process management requires the same attention, situational fluency, and skill. The sales process is a map which you should align to the buyer's journey as best as you can, and which can be depicted linearly, but does not always move that way, and which also has its own stage-appropriate sales exit criteria as well, such as qualifying the opportunity, which is a sales process exit criteria, but not a buying process exit criteria. The seller and sales process must be dynamic and adaptable. Even in simpler times when sales process was or may have been somewhat linear, it's always been possible that something could occur to interrupt a linear path. It could be as simple as adding a new decision maker to the mix, the resignation of your champion, or an unexpected budget freeze after a particularly poor quarterly performance. And in a complex sale, 
It's also always been true that different decision makers could be in different process stages at the same time, based on whether or not their individual current stage exit criteria have been satisfied. This is so important to understand and so often missed. Let me say that again. It's always been true that different decision makers could be in different process stages at the same time, based on whether or not their individual current stage exit criteria have been satisfied. Think of it like the Formula One Monaco Grand Prix or the Indy 500. All the race cars are going around the same track, and they are all in the same race, but they're not all in the same place at the same time. This has been largely ignored by many in sales process management. And now, as it surfaces and awareness increases, the spaghetti chart shows up and everybody throws their arms in the air, as if buyers aren't still recognizing a problem, deciding to explore solutions outside their company, vetting vendors, picking the best options, negotiating the terms of trade, and making a purchase. If you go up high enough in a jet plane, even the most complex landscape starts to look like little connected squares, rectangles, and circles. With a brief nod towards the teach, tailor, and take control concepts from the challenger sale, there are things that reps can do to take control and more effectively navigate the journey, such as co-creating mutual action plans, or MAPs, and activities such as conducting a situation assessment, effectively navigating the buyer landscape, managing individual buying process exit criteria per stage, and delivering personalized value messaging that resonates based on individual value drivers. In reality though, control is an illusion. Servant leadership is a better concept today, and I prefer influence and guide to control per se. Buyer-centric sellers operate in their buyer's and customer's best interests, so sellers could do better to help their buyers feel more in control and confident about working with them. If you doubt this, check out the book The Jolt Effect, How High Performers Overcome Customer Indecision by Dixon and McKenna, and the detailed research behind it. So yes, there are things sellers can do to steer the journey and influence the path and outcomes. Counterintuitively, we maintain the most control with buyer-centric sales methodology, authentic communication with skilled facilitation, co-creating agendas and shared expectations, striving for clarity and alignment at every interaction. Read the posts we've listed in the resources section of this episode on navigating the buyer landscape and managing buying process exit criteria, and you'll immediately see ways to take the reins as much as possible on a process that you do not truly control. And while these approaches and personalized value messaging are on the sales methodology side, they're all helpful in navigating process effectively. By the way, this is exactly what great methodology does, which makes for a nice transition. As the data shared above would suggest, when paired and aligned with sales process, sales methodology is the other performance lever to pull to radically improve sales productivity. Methodology includes the buyer or client-facing selling tasks in your process. It's how your sellers sell. This includes the frameworks, models, and skill sets needed to successfully complete stages, also known as sales competencies, across the customer lifecycle. Beyond the client-facing skills and managing buying process exit criteria for all buying stakeholders, a methodology may also address things that the seller must do, such as qualifying or other behind-the-scenes and asynchronous backstage tasks and activities. This may include research, preparation, 
agenda development, taking and distributing meeting nodes and other administration. Be aware that many of the commercially available methodologies are very good, but incomplete. The most commonly supported activities for commercial methodologies include prospecting and opportunity management, or at least aspects of both. Some vendors offer wider support with storytelling, presentation skills, negotiating, and strategic or large account management practices, but few cover the entire customer lifecycle, or at least without stringing multiple courses together to get coverage. Captured in a chart, the customer lifecycle stages have to overlap with the sales process stages. Sales methodology then plugs into each stage to describe how to support both buying and selling. This may include the prospecting approach, early discovery, qualification model, how to co-create solutions, presentation skills, value messaging, and so on. The models, steps, skills, and competencies are one layer deeper. The rest comes back to situational fluency and judgment. This, as well as the data from CSO Insights and other sources, illustrates the need for an aligned sales methodology. Without a documented aligned approach, you'll never get to 75% or over 90% adoption, which is where the major performance lift occurs. An aligned methodology also supports building playbooks, developing training, delivering better onboarding, and allows managers to diagnose behaviors against performance so they can coach and close gaps. It also makes it possible to build competency assessments to identify and close skill gaps, with individual development plans, all of which can support the cadence of continuous improvement, improved adoption, skill mastery, and ultimately improved self-performance. Sales enablers interpret this as business impact, which is exactly what you want. Unfortunately, the lack of focus on an aligned sales methodology may be as big a gap as the lack of focus on implementing process effectively and teaching agility. Many sales forces are operating somewhere between leave them alone and let them sell and a mixed bag of methodologies with a focus on tips and tricks, which might as well be a free for all or mix and match. This approach hampers everything we just said and aligned methodology supports. While it's incredibly popular and many sales consultants and book authors encourage reps to fend for themselves, this is a poor organizational strategy. There are so many things wrong with this approach that it's hard to know where to start. In business in general, and certainly in the sales profession, the knowing-doing gap is stunningly wide. Go really listen to the CSO Insights quote I used at the start of this article. Let's assume you believe the data, which may be a second barrier. Now, knowing what you now know, what do you plan to do about it? Are you mentally preparing for a Salesforce assessment as we speak? Do you see your own gaps relative to having an aligned sales process and sales methodology? And are you motivated and compelled to start working to close them? Are you calculating your current progress toward your revenue plan and doing the math to see what the improvements captured in the CSO Insight study would yield for you at year end? If you're not, why is that exactly? I'm guessing you get my point. And no, I would never suggest you blindly knee-jerk to derail your current well-aligned strategy, go-to-market and tactical plans, and your already disciplined execution. But I would suggest those calculations and an assessment of how well-aligned things really are, how disciplined your execution really is, and whether the above adoption focus for process and methodology might get you closer to your 2023 goals, 
or whether they can coexist effectively supporting each other. The bottom line is, knowing all the stuff in this episode is not enough. Whether you are a board member, a VC, or private equity investor, a CEO, a senior sales leader, or a sales or revenue enablement pro, the decisions you make next can make all the difference in your Salesforce performance and the results you post for 2023. Choose wisely. Next time on the State of Sales Enablement. And so many managers miss that opportunity to connect what they just went through. Now demonstrate it to me. Sure, you went through the outreach training, you went through the Salesforce training, you went through insert tech stack training. Now demonstrate it to me. Show me how to connect your outreach to your Salesforce to your weekly pipeline generation. Show that to me.